Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And I wanted to start the show off by reviewing some really important statistics, some that you may know or some that you may not know about. The current number of incarcerated nonviolent cannabis prisoners in the United States is about 40,000 plus. The amount spent annually in the U.S. on the war on drugs is 47 plus billion dollars a year. The annual U.S. budget used to enforce laws on cannabis is about $3.6 billion. The number of Americans using cannabis on a regular basis is only $25 million. Number of jobs generated, if all 50 states legalized cannabis, it would be $1.6 million. The federal tax revenues generated in five years, if all 50 states legalized cannabis, get this, $130 billion. Well, my guest today is a music and entertainment industry veteran who, along with his two siblings, founded Ocean Grown Extracts, which is housed in a very unique location in Coalinga, California, a former prison. The company is deeply committed to social justice. Their motto is, we grow weed out of prison to help get people out of prison for growing weed. Mr. Dan Dalton, thanks so much and welcome to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Why don't you tell us back for a little bit and tell us about your background in the music industry and entertainment industry before you got started in Ocean Extracts. Yeah, Ocean Grown Extracts. Um, Ocean Grown Extracts. Yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah, I grew up uh, in, well, a couple of places. One, I'm, I'm sitting in the Santa Monica Mountains at my friend's winery right now to get out of my house because uh, my home with dogs and kids. And so anyway, I, this is one of the places I come from, a place called Malibu Lake and grew up in the Malibu area and then moved to Silver Lake. Um, where in the 80s, where I grew up on hip hop and where hip hop, you know, at the time, the golden age of hip hop. Um, and, and that's really how I got into the music business. I went to school with some of the guys from the hip hop group Jurassic Five. And, uh, and they were my friends. They were my best friends. And, and, uh, that's how I got into the music business one day after helping them get organized. I was the guy organizing them all the time when we were running around. Uh, I, I ended up being asked to be their manager, and that was my entry point. Um, and I ended up managing them through their whole career and, and other hip hop, uh, you know, from LA, dilated peoples, and, and just kind of that that movement of um, what they were calling underground hip hop. Um, yeah, and I mean, so that that clearly got you connected with uh, cannabis over the years, right? Well, I, no, I was I was connected to cannabis actually from these mountains. I, my my parents were both musicians, and I grew up on really wine and song, man, and artists and and creative people, and and a lot of people that grew. Um, and my brother is a is a grower, is a grower, and so um, no, I, I've had cannabis part of my life. My parents both used growing up as a kid, so no, I, I had it in me the whole time. And then yeah, when I get to L.A., you know. We're, we're running around trying to buy dime bags, you know, and, and going to MacArthur Park. And, you know, it was, it was risking our lives, to be honest with you. We were mm-hmm. talking about that the other day with uh, Charlie Tuna from Jurassic Park. We would, you know, have $10 in our pocket and get down to MacArthur Park and in the 80s. Even now, probably it's not that safe. But back then, it definitely was, you know. And, right. Uh, and it wasn't safe, not only from 
crime on the street, but also wasn't straight from the, the perspective of the way police looked at cannabis back then. 100%. And still look at it the same way now. I mean, fortunately, you know, um, you are the uh, ethnicity that you are, but, you know, had you not been, you probably would have been one of the victims of, you know, uh, uh, incarceration that's based on, you know, nonviolent use of your own, right? Well, I witnessed a lot of that, right? Um, and I even, yeah, man, I mean, we would be in the same car, right? I'd be the only white guy in the car. And so I witnessed that firsthand. Um, you know, and I, and I feel bad for the police in some way that, you know, they're just, they're, they're regulating or they're, 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 they're enforcing the law. And that's why we need to change these laws. You know, it's more about me changing these laws right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get in that. We're going to, let's, let's delve in deep into that in just a few minutes, but let's back up yeah. for a second. Now, your brother yeah. Kelly was a cultivator for years before you guys even decided to start your own business. Correct. So how we got into the business um was really my sister she owned she started off as a preschool teacher and then ended up purchasing her own preschool um she noticed that some kids some children in the inner cities were getting better care better child care than others just because of their economic status right and whether that was their safety or their environment or their nutrition and so she she vowed to to um, to really change that. And she ended up long story short with four or five, uh, preschools. And, um, she provided very high quality childcare f- uh, for a very low, uh, tuition. And so she was, she was, com- she, she had to learn how to be compliant and, and, and learn how to deal with regulations and, 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 and the state. And that's how she became familiar with just I mean, she applied those 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 characteristics to and those traits to uh, the cannabis business. But anyway, my brother was risking his life, and we thought we would get a, a phone call in the middle of the night, you know, saying that he's been locked up. Um, and so when she she saw that there was, right, no- he was doing what he was growing his own, and then like, but but just selling some low level sales of cannabis. Um, he was under Prop Two Fifteen, and okay. and so yes, but he was growing his own. He was also providing oil, uh, the Rick Simpson oil, to a lot of people that we know who, uh, who you know, who, who had cancer. Anybody who had cancer would come our way because they knew my brother Kelly had a kettle on every morning, just the same you and I might put on a pot of coffee or a pot of tea. My brother was was making oil for for patients, really, um, and and that's that was his intention was to help. I mean, this is as you know, Montel is, is medicine, right? Absolutely. And, and um, so my brother's intention was that. And then, you know, we we this was a different time. You know, this is you know six, seven years ago. And 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 my my sister and I feared my brother's safety. You know, we thought that any day his door could get kicked in and uh, we'd be getting that call. She would keep her phone on in the middle of the night, um, you know, because of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, so the, two of the, the three of you got together and said, you know what? I got this idea. Let's, uh, why don't we start our own cannabis business? Call it ocean grown extracts. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It was my sister who really started figuring that out. We, we had some friends who had some, uh, yeah, some, some resources to them, uh, which we can get into later, but yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we were able to start 
researching and, and looking into how to protect Kelly. That's how this thing really started. And Ocean Grown Extracts was, my brother was, um, was growing the strain OG, you know, as you know, but the original San Fernando Valley OG. So that was his specialty and that's all he knew. That's all he did. He was one of the few that had that strain at the time. Um, and yeah, so, so once, once we took that dive and, and started seeing the market and just the, just the, the opportunity to protect him is, was our entry point. And then what, what made you decide to, you know, to set your cultivation site up in this really absolutely unique location? Yeah. It wasn't, about that? It wasn't really a decision that we made. It's, it's not like we were looking for a prison or that was the intention. Uh, my sister and my family started uh, speaking to the city of Koalinga and, um, we were really just going for our permits and, and the opportunity to be protected and to, and to participate. And once that was established, then we started asking them about property in the area. And they said, yeah, we have this prison. And they're like, they have a prison. And, and, and that's where it started. You know, it was very interesting. I, I was living in Monterey, California back in mm, early 80s. And, uh, Happened to be out there when uh, Koalinga suffered one of the biggest earthquakes that you guys have had in the last thirty years. Mm. Um, but uh, just uh, that's just a passing by. But now, how has the business impacted the local community? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer? How to grow an online business? How to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. Well, year one, we had over 100 jobs. It's definitely impacted the community. Um, there was an education process to... Uh, I mean, they've been they've been incredible to us. They, they, you know, when you really look at the transformation of, of uh, the mentality, and it really is just educating people, right, Montel? That's what you that's what you do with Let's Be Blunt. Like, I, I, you're out there, and, and the advocates that are educating people and telling and, and you know making people aware that this is a medicine and just all everything that comes behind it and all the work that needs to be done. Um, that that yeah, so that sorry, I lost my train of thought there. No, that's okay. I mean, well, well, you're nailing it though because I think it's the education part of this whole equation that has been, you know, kind of forgotten by a lot of people in this industry. You know, a lot of people got into the business to make sure they could grow and sell, and but then you know we do a lot of work educating B to B, but don't do as much work educating B to C, educating the consumer, letting them know that what we have is a product <laughs> that is efficacious not only from a medical standpoint but even for those who come to cannabis from an adult use standpoint i believe deep down inside they're coming to cannabis because they have some underlying medical reason that they're not even willing to admit i agree with you i think people come to cannabis because they can't sleep they can't rest they have anxiety you know for whatever reason and they also don't like the deleterious effects of alcohol so they shift over to cannabis 
but that's for a medical reason, even if you consider it an adult use situation. I agree, man. I think people medicate themselves subconsciously without even understanding why they're doing it. Um, our father, <clears throat> who passed away recently, was uh, me, was uh, bipolar, and he used his whole life. And um, really sad, but in the end, it, 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 it became apparent to us that he was medicating himself. You know? Yeah, because he recognized he felt better when he was on cannabis rather than anything else, right? Absolutely. And if I could rewind and say, all right, which one would I have him drinking Irish whiskey or, or, or consuming cannabis on a daily? It's a quick answer, right? Uh, oh, I'm right there with you. I tell you, like I'm a, my father's uh, 90 right now and he's been going through some really tough times in the last month. Um, he had a little very, very small stroke and he's been hospitalized. And unfortunately, you know, uh, where he's in the hospital, I can't get him any cannabis, but I would love to be able to get him some because, you know, the bottom line, he's in a state where medical is okay, but, you know, the the medical system in America, as much as they claim to support and start to understand the truth, they are as resistant to change as anybody. Yeah, they haven't adopted that 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 idea yet, and, which is crazy, right? Because they're, they're shoving pills down people's throats and they're, they're quick to administer all this other shit, right? And all this other stuff. And, and it's just, it's just incredible, man. I, I think if we could go, I, hopefully it doesn't take too long. I hope we get there quicker. We're not going to get there quick enough, but we will get there. There's no way. I, I, I keep saying the train left the station and, and people know, and I think our generations are growing up and people know that, that this plant holds medicinal properties that have yet to be discovered. And as soon as we can allow these chemists to to dive in and and allow them to explore, I've sat next to doctors at dinner and 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 heard their frustrations about they know there are medicinal properties that they have yet to. I think part of that's, uh, that goes back to that comment that you were making a little earlier about education, 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 and that's yeah. one of the disservices that we as an industry have been doing to ourselves. You know, I mean, I've attended many uh, 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 forums where there's conventions. And, you know, when you go to a convention on cannabis, you know, the floor is filled with vendors trying to sell product that has something to do with developing your business rather than selling the idea. Why don't we come together? Yeah, really, really, it really pisses me off. And now where we are here, it is 2021. And we are still, uh, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface of cannabis sales worldwide or cannabis sales in the United States. Yet we're trying our best to fight against the other guy down the street who's selling cannabis along with us, where we know that there's not even enough to satisfy all the customers that are out there. Right. And I don't, <clears throat> we don't do that, by the way. We, we recognize the good guys in this industry and lock arms with them. Right. I was just on the phone yesterday with Fab Five Freddy, who's a friend of mine. And, and he's got a, he's got a brand he's launching, uh, be noble and, um, we're going to do something together, right? Like he's got a lot of work in front of him and so do we, and, and together, like I recognize the good guys pretty quickly, you know, like Damien, you know, I managed Damien Marley and Damien, one of Damien's, uh, issues is that he's seeing all these people come in for money. And they're coming in for the wrong reasons with the wrong intentions. And Absolutely. There's all there's all sorts of ways to make money in this world, but people are here. Here come the wolves, man. 
Well, you know what's yep. even more insane about it is the fact that there we just can't get out of our own shadow and out of our own way. There's going to we have not scratched the surface. This is like the Wright brothers pushing a wooden plane down a damn hill. I yep. mean, you know, there, we still have jets coming. We still have you know rockets coming. Yeah. You know, so uh, and and there's billions upon billions upon billions that will be you know, realized in the next 10 years when it comes to cannabis. And I'm not just talking about the cannabis that we consume from a medical or adult use standpoint, from all of the 250 different applications for hemp cannabis in the world. Yep. And if we spent more time coming together as an industry, you know, and shoring each other up rather than fighting for, you know, a little side piece of turf. Yeah. I think this industry would actually exponentially grow. We would see legalization and we would see legislation passed at the federal level. But right now, while we're all fighting each other, it leaves, you know, the the legislators in a in a, a position to try to protect their own constituents turf. You know what I mean? Right. hundred percent. I mean, I, I've, I've been checking your show as of late. And so I, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but, you know, this this thing begins when you really get to the the heart of it. When you look at Anslinger and, and where this this thing started, you know, the reefer madness propaganda and, and just how like for us to put the snake back in the jar is part of the issue. Right. That like we're getting back to education, what we were just talking about. Right. And what we have to do to okay. do that, to get back to education, we should tell the truth even about people like Anslinger. What people don't even know is that during Anslinger's tenure as the head of prohibition for alcohol, he had several speeches where he actually lauded the the efficaciousness of marijuana and of cannabis and thought that it was a better vice than alcohol. He was literally a champion of cannabis until he lost his job and prohibition was lifted. Until his budgets were gone, until his employees were, until he was gonna, he was gonna figure out, you know, okay, or he had to figure out what am I doing from here? And you're right. And, and if just people knew the truth, man, that's that's boy, the truth these days, huh? Like it, it's lacking every day. Like when you wake up and check the news, like you, I don't even know what planet I'm on anymore, and in, in other areas. But but this this is one that that's all I do, man. I walk proud, and like you know, I, when I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team and people ask me, what do I do for a living? I, I grow cannabis. And, you know, I, I say it proud, man. And right. I don't, I don't really care what people think. Uh, right. I don't mean that in any angry way or, or, or offensive way. Um, but <clears throat> when, when, you know, it's interesting, all the people like we make a CBN gummy, for example, right. That we, 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 it's a really great product and it helps people sleep. Right. And I have all these friends that are on all these all this medication that are taking shit they're 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 addicted to now. And here's this natural CBN with five milligrams of THC that's getting them through the night now. Right. And so this is a deep conversation. We're having it, right? But but yeah. But no, but people don't want to hear about I'll give you an example, you know, really really crazy, right on the same thought. I had to uh I testified last week. Um at a hearing in the uh, state where there was a group that, um, you know, were literally um, had gone in to get this legislature to relook at their application for one of the licenses that they had. 
And when they had applied the first time, the state actually gave them the license. They didn't turn around and took it away because it was like, you know, some misimpression of what was going on on their application, which was completely misinterpreted by, you know, the legal body. But while I was sitting in that courtroom, you know, I found it just absolutely, it blew my mind uh, because, and this is my first question. The first question that was asked me by the attorney was, well, Mr. Williams, uh, you have been involved in cannabis uh, and marijuana. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about why you got involved? And I said, I got involved for the same reason why our federal government got involved. The same reason why back in 19, back in, you know, 2002 and back in 1998, our government issued itself its own patent on cannabis when they recognized the efficaciousness of cannabinoids and written there and wrote in their abstract that they found cannabis to be one of the most efficacious medications when it came to ischemic strokes and for a neurological disease and had neurological or neurological properties, protective yeah. properties. And the judge looked at me and said, what? I said, yes, sorry. It's, uh, you know, patent number two through two, two, uh, or uh, six six zero three five zero seven, and yeah. you know, and and I I remember looking across at the table of the opposition lawyers, and there was a look of they were just baffled, and they didn't want to say anything because they didn't want to look stupid if they tried to challenge me because they recognized that clearly I knew something. They you knew what you were talking about. But that also threw me for a loop because here's a judge who is overseeing a whole process on cannabis and he's not even educating himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. It, it completely, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir too, but that completely blows me out the door. No, no. There, there are examples every day, right? Yep. What did you think of, of recently Clarence Thomas stepping up to the plate and saying that he thought that it was egregiously offensive that, you know, uh, there is probably some constitutional um, legality here that, literally um you know puts the our federal fed in a, a really bad position where you know i mean he believes that uh, our cannabis laws should be changed or at yeah. least you know right what did yeah. you think of that when you heard that um i was surprised um, yeah. especially coming from that. one of the most conservative justices there is I think I think anybody. I'm sorry. What did you say? I say especially coming from one of the most conservative justices that there is. Yeah, and you know what, man? I welcome everybody from the other side right now. Like I, you know, and it, it's it's. I think we need to stand strong, and but we need to allow them to come in, right? We we can't you know we can't just keep fighting. It's not about the fight. It's about it. You know, again, getting back to education and allowing them to come in, man. And and allow right, and inviting them in. The sooner inviting. we get to the day of legalization and let these people out of prison right now, there, there's no there's no there's no law that should be passed without a measure of some sort of, of allowing these people to come out of prison. And um, and you mentioned the forty thousand last prisoner project says it's well over that. You know we're using that number forty thousand because that's the number. It's hard to get that data, by the way. You know, any, right, I, I should, bus, right. I challenge anybody to go get any of this data like that. The, the stats that you read off, we have a shirt for our brand evidence that we that we sell. I know we sell. Yeah, we sell. Give, give away. Um, and, no, and talk, talk about talk about the launch of evidence. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, just to finish my point, sorry, the, 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 those stats that, that we put on that T-shirt, some of the stats that you just read at the top of your uh, show, um, they're not easy to come by. 
right? So when we say 40,000, it, it, we think it's closer to 50,000, right? And it, so they're not quick to show us that. But yes, evidence. Um, so, so you've mentioned that, you know, we, we, we purchase a prison and, and um, we are, I was um, asked by Steve D'Angelo to be a part of Last Prisoner Project at the inception, the birth of that nonprofit. Last Prisoner Project is a nonprofit that's committed to freeing up every last cannab- cannabis uh, prisoner. I've been working with them quite a bit myself lately. Yes, I know, and, and that's awesome, man. And I'm surprised we haven't met yet. And, um, mm-hmm. Look forward to meeting you in person, and I know we will at some point. Absolutely. Uh, but, um, you know, that, they're, they're, they're just a great group of people, as you know, right? Like, like, and it makes my job easy. All I do is do what I'm doing with you right now. You know, we use our, our prison as a platform. We use our brand, our story, and we shine light on Last Prisoner Project. Um, that's what I'm really proud of. And, it, and, it, and it's in, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not the one in there fighting, but, but as you know, Sarah Gersten and, you know, we have these people there, Natalie and Mary Bailey, and Steve D'Angelo, everybody's in, in the trenches fighting every day. Um, while these people are sitting in jail cells, um, doing their time, doing their bid. And, and it's not right, man. Like you and I are going to have a beautiful day today. Right. And, and we can go blow a spliff. We can go do whatever we want to do. And these people are in for the same thing. You know, I'm moving pounds now, Montel. Right. Moving pounds as a white American. Right. And granted, we do. I don't want to say nobody gave us anything. We work hard for what we what we have. And it's a lot of work. And as you know, the cannabis business shifts every day. And it's tough. Um, really tough. Um, but we understand our position. And we understand... Uh, the voice that we have, and and I'm I'm really blessed, and I give thanks that we have an organization like Last Prisoner Project that I can turn to and and shine light on, and continue to do that because it's working. Like we're getting people out, um, you know. Last Prisoner Project, along with other organizations, are getting people out, and and, and it's not happening at the speed that you and I would like to see, but it's happening. But and it's happening, absolutely. And and everybody I go around and speak to. They get it quick. I don't have to, I don't, I don't need 10 minutes with them. I need two. I need one. And, uh, and, and people understand that that is bullshit, man. And that these people need to be let out. And, um, anyway, so my brand evidence, I'm sorry, my brand evidence. So we have this prison and my sister came up with this concept of really writing that theme. And, um, so we sell, I brought it here. We sell, our cannabis in a bag of evidence, you know, the same evidence that you would see, same evidence bag that you would see in a court of law or, or, or by the police. And, and really what I love about the brand Montel is that it starts the conversation. When people hold that bag, it's not holding a jar of flour with some pretty logo and brand on it, right? It's, it, it, it initiates that thought and starts the conversation. And, sure. And, and so we like to think of ourselves as like a unapologetic, polarizing brand that is going to um, be a part of the movement. It's not just us, right? And, and, I, and I always, I, I, I like to say that again about Last Prisoner Project, but there are other organizations, there are other people doing the good work. You know, it's, it's all of us, right? Right. But, and it's um, going to take all of us, it's going to take all of us to get us out of this you know, it's where we are right now. And, I, you know, I mean, if you had to put a crystal ball on your 
uh, on right now and, and, and look at a crystal ball and think, hmm, this is what cannabis is going to look like this at the, by the end of this year, by the end of next year. What do you think? Where do you think we're going? How quickly do you think before? Yeah, I see. I've been one who's, you know, I, I come across a little jaded um, and I, I don't mean to, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, we have a president in office who doesn't get it, period. And his attorney general who claims she gets it because when you hear her talk on the campaign stump and she talks when she, and you'll wait, wait the year before, you know, of the next election, they'll act like they are so in favor because they're going to try to capture the support of the consumer of cannabis again, like they did for this last go round, claiming that they were going to do something in the first hundred days. But now it's completely off their 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 plate. Um, you know, and you got a president who still believes that cannabis is a gateway drug. Where 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 it's as bad as going up against you know the most conservative idiots in the country with that thought process. And the fact that during Kamala Harris's, you know, reign as attorney general, she broke records with the number of arrests uh, uh, arrest in the state of California for nonviolent cannabis crimes. So how do we even think for one second that we're going to get a change? I don't know. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Just like Clarence Thomas stepped up to the plate and stepped out as a conservative justice. Watch, I bet you somebody is schooling Trump right now telling them if you campaign on cannabis for and cannabis legalization right before you go into office, and he'll be lying too when he does that. But if you campaign on that, you'll track that vote. That's exactly how he's going to get his ass back in office. I, I thought he was going to do it on the last campaign, to be honest. I thought one of them were going to re- really go hard on it. Uh, I, I did too, especially after that one Democratic uh, debate where, you know, down the stage, everybody but Biden, everyone but Biden said that they were going to su- support cannabis reform and legislation. Um, I thought that that would become one of the bigger issues and asked on multiple shows and interviews after that. Harris was even asked about cannabis over and over again. And she jokingly talked about the fact that she used some in her past and blah, 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 blah. You know, you thought that they were going to move us in the right direction, but no, they haven't. So it was a lip service to get a vote. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I think again, this, the cannabis industry could do so much good for itself if we all came together in the next year and said, we will not elect the next president unless that person supports cannabis reform, period. Yeah. And freeze these prisoners. Correct. Yeah. If uh, that was a stand that everyone in this business took collectively, you would change the needle immediately. I agree. And that's what Last Prisoner Project is really trying to do, Montel, as you know, right? Like we're trying to unite everybody and, and get this message out. Um, yeah, you know, um, I think it's a generational thing, man. You know, like when I look at Biden, I, I, don't, I don't like to dip too tough into politics, but it's hard not to in our industry. Uh, but, but it's really just educating and, 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 and shaking that stigma that people have been programmed with, that this is the gateway drug or what all, all, all the BS that we've always been fed. Um, I never went with, but. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, he's also a person who has a family who has a history of, you know, heart and drug abuse. And I, I get that. But at the same time, educate yourself. I mean, he claims to be a person who's a man of science. Well, then learn the science, read the science. And I, I like yeah. you. I mean, you know, you, you said, it. you know, you don't like to go after people aggressively, rather invite them to the table. I'm sorry. I think 
from my perspective, it's time that we start smacking a couple of them upside the head. Brother, I, I can, brother, I can be there in two seconds. Two. Yeah. I, I, I'm just trying to tone myself down because I come from the streets as well, right? And so I could get quickly. I, I you know, I come from rebel music, man. Whether it be punk, right. hip hop, reggae music, I, I'm ready for the fight. I am right. in this thing, and you know. And, and people who know me personally know that I'm just trying to like, I'm just trying to evolve as a person, to be honest with you. So sometimes I'm not, you know, maybe I'll say next time I'm on your show or something, I'll, I'll say something different, but I'm just trying to make this thing work, you know, that, and, and it's not easy because I've tried, you know, you try every way, and it, but patience is part of it. Strength is part of it. Um, but but really, just getting up every day and doing something about it is really what it's about, right? And you're doing it, man. I appreciate you. Again, when I got hip to your show, you know, I, was, I watched the Red Man uh, uh, podcast again because that's where I come from. You had one of the sure. greatest MCs of all time, one of my heroes in hip hop, uh, and an advocate, and just one of the first. But but yeah, man, I, I you know, there it's, it's going to take everybody, man. And unselfishly, yeah. it's going to take everybody. And and when we get there, you, you asked the question a bit ago, what do I see it looking like? I really can't answer that. Remember, I'm a marketing. I'm the out of my family. I'm the marketing, promotion, entertainment guy who thinks of branding and and, and that thing. And I bring the creatives to the table, right? Nabil Elderkin, who's an incredible photographer, director who works with Kanye and Kendrick and Weekend. And he's he's my he's my uh, brother. Um, <clears throat> And then my brother, my, my, my real brother, blood brother is, is the grower. My sister is the, is the CEO, you know, we're a woman run company. Um, and she, she drives this thing from operations to every aspect of it. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's, it's going to take, it's going to take all of us, uh, joining arms, locking arms. And, and I hear what you're saying in terms of the movement. Like if we said this, I heard the campaign promises as well. Uh, I read Steve D'Angelo's uh, article in Rolling Stone where he challenged them to, 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 to step up and be about their word the way you and I are about our word. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what it looks like. My sister's the one you would have to ask really what she, how she sees it. Again, I, I come from the, I'm, I'm the marketing kind of guy. Sure. But how I would like to see it, here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see an easier entry point for black and brown people to get involved and, be, and, 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 and have a seat at the table. Um, that I would like to see. I don't want to see these big corporations coming in, buying it all out and, 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 and just running this thing the way they want to run it. They didn't come from this. and They didn't suffer anything. And they all, not just didn't suffer anything, but they, they weren't the people. Like when I hear up in Mendocino and Humboldt County and all these small farmers who have a half acre, an acre, it's really sad to, to think about what's going to happen to those people, man, during consolidation and, and, and where we're going with that. That That's it's not cool, man. Those are the people that fed their families for a long time. And you those have, are the people who believed in the plant. See, I, they, I, have a hard time, I have a hard time swallowing that a person who comes to this for green, for money, cares about the plant or yeah. about its medicinal benefit. They don't care. They're just trying to make a buck. You know, these are the same people who would have argued with you about how vile cannabis was 
seven or eight years ago are now running around and acting like they are big supporters of it. And that, that drives me crazy. But you can see right through it, right? Like when they talk about their big supporters, they're supporters for the wrong reasons, right? They don't care a little bit about that small farmer up north, uh, Northern California, mm -hmm. um, who, who fed, who risked his life to feed his family. And that's all they know. And now, and like you said, they were advocates. They talked about it as a medicine. They, they were, they, they promoted it and they're the ones part of the people, right? Uh, uh, who got us here. Who got right. this thing so common that we, it felt okay? Like when I walk out of the Cornell Winery that I'm at right now on a Saturday and I smoke a spliff in the parking lot, I don't get the looks that I would have got ten years ago in you know somewhere else. And you know what I'm saying? Like it's more sure. common now. Those are the people that help this movement get to a common place, right? And and, and right. The people, just everybody who participated in cannabis to get here, it, it, you know. To, to think that those people don't have a seat at the table, and again, really getting back to the war on drugs and Anslinger and and the, and the black and brown people who have been targeted and and intentionally uh, thought about. In in I mean I mean it just goes on and on, right? Again, until I feel like coming on your show, like I'd rather talk about this shit on on somebody else's show that I need to educate. It's like you know like we're talking the same thing, man, but. You know, it's great though because I'm saying there's a lot of viewers who are coming to uh, my Let's Be Blunt podcast who literally come for the first time and actually get schooled this way. So I'm glad you're talking about it because you're, what you're really talking about is what needs to be done from a social justice standpoint and from the cannabis industry. What I mean, and that's something that I think you know. Again, we see you know legislation being written all over the country, and supposedly that legislation includes some sort of social justice component, but in some ways, it's just there for lip service. And I mean, how do we convince an industry to share, to look out for those who led the way? <clears throat> I think it's it's tough. Gonna, look, I think it's on, it should be something that we're focused on and a priority for us, because I think it's going to be really hard. I, yeah, you, you guys deliberately made sure that your sister was the CEO of you know, OG extracts and well, no, that just happened. Sorry, to that that just happened because she took the lead, and she's just a beast. That's what she <laughs> but, but, but she give you guys a choice, huh? No, no, man, she runs it. She's a little sister in the family. She's the youngest. Right. Yeah, and, you, know, you gotta cool. watch out. For, gotta watch out for the youngest boy. No. The the most gotta watch out for the youngest. We're the ones that are the most tenacious, right? <laughs> That's good. You had to fight, you know. Every yeah, time. had to um, fight for your scraps at the table. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. So. But, but, um, no, I, but, 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 you know, we come from, uh, ad advocacy and, 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 and standing up for people's rights. And, and, um, we were very blessed to be raised by two loving parents who cared about people then didn't, didn't see, actually did see color of skin and, and said to stand up for the other people. So it wasn't like we were just equal. We were, we, we, we understood where we, where we were. And, sure, and yeah. thing now, man, like we can be, it's okay for privilege to be shared. Like, you know, we, we can share this privilege that we have as white people. And, 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 and that's really what I hope to see. Montel. And you've been doing that. You, you put your money where your mouth is because you guys have just recently, you know, formed a collaboration with Damian Marley to create the brand video for evidence, right? Talk a little bit about that collaboration. 
Well, the collaboration is really organic, to be honest, because Damien and I have worked together. I'm just, I've been his manager now for 16 years or so, and um, we've done a lot of business together, right, in many ways. Um, you know, he's close to my family. When he would come to L.A. or Stephen Marley would come to L.A., they would want my brother, San Fernando Valley OG, because they knew that that was, you know, they live in Miami where the consistency of, of flour isn't the same. So the, right. the bag, actually, you know, they, they would know if they can get it from their brethren and over here. And they know that 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 I want that again. I want that again. Give me more of that. This is what they would do when they come to L.A. They're like, OK, I know that this makes me feel. And that's what we're all going to get to. Right. In terms of consistency and and really consistency, right? Like when, when you can count on a cannabis product to be the same thing. Okay, when I do this same way, if I were to go have a, a Corona, I know that one Corona is not going to knock me down and, you know, it's not going to feel like 12 Coronas. I feel like one. Um, that's how they, that's how, sorry, I'm getting off topic here, but that's how Damien got with the flower that we had. And that was the entry point for uh, working with Kelly, um, my brother. Um, you know, he, he, he loved that Damien Stephen loved that OG. So as we developed and, and the prison story came about and or the prison opportunity, Damien was right there. And when you think of the Marley, the Marley DNA, right, is 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 right there along with what we do. And it's no coincidence who we are as people that we align with, uh, with them in in those kind of ideals, uh, human rights and equal rights. And, and freeing the herb and you know um so it was really organic to be honest with you <clears throat> um damien is a shareholder a partner in in ocean grown extracts and you're going to see more brands come out of ocean grown extracts other than evidence uh so he's been a part of that and um yeah i mean that, that's how he that's how it came about it's just it was an organic thing well, what's next for Ocean Grown Extracts? What's what's next? What do you see on the horizon? Wow. Well, we have other products and in, in, in brands in the pipeline. Our focus is evidence right now because we're growing. We I just harvested six acres outdoors. Um, we're putting eight acres in uh, now, like in the next week or two. Um, our 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 goal is to bag this flower in those bags that's our number one goal right now we don't we're a very small company we never took on corporate money we never we never you know dealt with that whole vc world that everybody else I, i'm sure you saw all this wild stuff that that's happened over the last uh you know this happened over the last you know couple of years i mean every, they, what they say every day in the cannabis business is like an, a week here or you know it's, it's sure it's changed a lot right and we've seen brands come and go we've seen all these people come in for this green rush we ran the marathon man like we own our company we own our property we own our permits we 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 do our own thing and we, we're, we're here to stay so evidence is really our focus right now and and it's and because of the um because of the the what's behind the brand it makes it that much easier to get behind that. But our intention is to take all the flour that we grow at the prison and, and, and have it 100% of it be allocated to evidence bags opposed to selling any on, on the wholesale market. That's our brand, right? I mean, that's our, our goal right now. But again, we have brands coming. We, we are opening a, um, a cookies dispensary in Coalinga. 
which uh, people will be able to pull right off the five. We have the first cookies dispensary, or sorry, uh, consumption lounge in America. Um, shout out to Burner and Parker and the cookies team. They they are they, you know they're in, they're an incredible company. Uh, we're really proud to be in business with them. Um, and yeah, so you're going to be able to pull off the five right there at Harris Ranch. I don't know if you've ever done that drive, Montel, but it's the halfway point where Elon Musk just put in or is planning on putting in a thousand or something charging stations, most charging stations. So people who are driving from L.A. to the Bay or or, or, or the other way uh, can stop. Um, but yeah, we have a consumption lounge where you can come in and, and have a smoke. Uh, just chill. Yeah, and just chill. Um, so... Um, What's, you know, we're opening a dispensary and um, a couple other things maybe I shouldn't talk about, but we're growing, man, and, and, and we're here to stay. We're, we're looking at New York right now. Um, but again, evidence is our, is, is our focus. Well, congratulations, man. If anybody want to get more information about you, where do they go? Is there a website? Yeah, uh, buyevidence.com. Uh, buyevidence.com. Uh, evidence bag at evidence bag for Instagram. Um, and I would encourage people as you do, I know to go to lastprisonproject.com and, and that's what this thing is about. I think one important part <clears throat> that I just realized that I didn't mention Montel that when we sell an evidence bag, um, a dollar goes back to last prisoner project. So we make that connection. Um, you know, again, our, our, our saying of we grow weed out of prison to get people out of, to help people get out of prison for growing weed. We do that because it's this cycle, man. You know, like the, our weed, when you're smoking evidence, you know, it came from that spot. And, um, and that when you're putting your money in, it's, there's a piece that goes back to LPP. And, Absolutely. And, and that's really where we, that's what I think is one of the differentiators of our company is holding the evidence bag and understanding that part and starting the conversation and the conversation is, is what's needed right now, as you know. Absolutely. Well, then I can't thank you enough, sir, for being a part of the show today. And I tell you, anytime you want to come back, you know, you always have a home here to talk about anything that's new and innovative that you're doing. And um, just love kicking around with you, man. So yep. um, thank you. Yeah, we should meet in person, man. Like, uh, I, I'm planning uh, an announcement at some point, but in LA, I'm doing an LPP event, like uh, with Damien and Stephen Marley, and um, and you should make your way and come hang. With Absolutely. Us. Let make sure. Let me know when it happens, and I'll try to get out there to it to, to help you participate and help uh, you know spark interest. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. And thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. So good. Thank you. Well, that's Mr. Dan Dalton, who's, you know, the CEO of Ocean Grown Extracts. No, no. Sorry. I'm not the CEO. My CEO. You're the co-founder. I'm one of the co-founders. One of the co-founders of Ocean Grown Extracts and the evidence brand. Dan Dalton, thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today. And make sure you tune into the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Are you- 
Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.